y'all. I am Wanda Swan. I'm Shannon Palma. And welcome to season two of Once, Once Upon, Upon a Patriarchy. Patriarchy. We are back. Woohoo! Yes, season one was so nice, we decided to do it twice. And we are <laughs> excited. Uh, Shannon and I have enjoyed the time away to think critically about what we can do to make sure that season one is not a fluke. Woo! Right? We don't want a fluke. Nope. We want to put some stakes in the ground. And so we thank you for continuing to listen. We've gotten some really great feedback in the form of comments, in the form of downloads. And man, y'all are so easy to love. Mm. Man. So we are going to start today with episode one. And we are going to have a really great conversation, and we have a really wonderful special guest. I'm going to let Shannon actually do the honors of introducing our special guest for today. Oh, I'm so excited. You should be, Fran. You should be. Christine Restaino is a senior lecturer and teaches Italian classes at Emory University. She has co-authored an academic publication entitled Lucrezia Marinella and the Carrel de Femme in 17th Century Italy through Farley Dickinson Press, as well as the first edition of a book series called The Italian Virtual Class, which teaches language through cultural acquisition. She writes and publishes articles, essays, op-eds, and nonfiction, and presents her work in various forms throughout the U.S. and abroad. Ristina recently completed her memoir entitled All the Silent Spaces, which confronts the topics of violence, identity, and discrimination. In addition, Ristina was a fellow in the op-ed project Public Voices Fellow at Emory and has published articles in The Guardian, Pacific Standard, The Washington Post, Huffington Post, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on child advocacy, coping with violence, and topics around diversity. She serves on various boards and committees and participates in efforts around social justice, race, class, education reform, and violence prevention. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. Um, it's an honor to be here. My favorite podcast. We are following the same format as season one, which means that we will have a not necessarily well. This season is gonna we're gonna we're gonna shift it a little bit, right? So last season was about fairy tales specifically. I think we're shifting our background information, and depending upon which story we're covering, we are going to either provide some historical connections or no. I think that's it. Some yeah. historical connections, period, in whatever form that may take. So today, we have the opportunity to discuss Frozen. And as always, Shannon is going to be our fearless leader of the background <laughs> detail stories. And she will lead us in some historical connections and context with stories that ended up becoming Disney's Frozen. After that, we're going to have a conversation with Christine around three framing questions and as always, we will end with a retelling. So let's go ahead and jump in. Shannon, feel free to take it away. Okay. So Frozen is actually very, very loosely based on a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. Again? Again. Okay. We're back to like season one, episode one, yeah. season two, episode one. It's Ooh. always all about the Hans. Full circle moments. So, um, but it is very loosely based. It's not. It's not a straight retelling by any means. There's. It's. It's honestly barely visible. But that's what. That's what they say. So that's where we're going. Back to <laughs> the Snow Queen, a fairy tale in seven stories. 
This was novella length. <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't get it all out of one. No, this two. was this was this was like Hans Christian Andersen's like I figured out how like my art, my form, my life. It is now the Snow Queen. So this came out in 1845, and Hans, we will remember, was the author of literary fairy tales. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't a folklorist like the Brothers Grimm or Perot, where they're going back to folk stories and things like that. He was writing original fairy tales, of which the Snow Queen is one. The longest. That may not be true, but it feels like it. <laughs> I'm gonna break it down for you. Seven stories. <laughs> <laughs> go. Go, Shannon, go. The first story concerning a mirror and its shards. An evil troll slash devil constructs a mirror that magnifies the worst of the world and distorts and diminishes the best. His students, because he runs a troll school, his students fly with this mirror and they're trying to fly it up to heaven so they can make fun of the angels and God himself. Oh. Yeah. That's petty. So they take off with it and they're flying to heaven to make fun of God and the mirror starts laughing because apparently the mirror is also a troll. And they drop it, and it shatters. So pieces of it fly across the world and get into people's eyes or get used as glasses or the larger pieces get made into windows by unknowing humans, and they distort the view of the people that they come into contact with. That's the first story, Devil Mirror. Okay. All right. Second story, a little boy and a little girl. Gerda and Kai, sometimes called Kay, are next-door neighbors, best friends. They play together throughout the year and love each other more than most brothers and sisters do. But they're not brother and sister. That's a a point that's made multiple times. Mm -hmm. They frequently sit together under a rose bush. And during the winter, grandmother, it's not clear which one of them's grandmother it is, but grandmother, tells them stories of the Snow Queen. And Kai sees a snowflake grow and transform into a beautiful woman, then disappear. Not long after, two of the shards of the troll's mirror pierce little Kai's eye and his heart and change how he sees the world. So the one in his heart is turning it to ice. It's his heart that's turning to ice, not his whole body. He grows cold and cruel to Gerda and others around him. And when he encounters the Snow Queen again, he hooks his sled to her sleigh and willingly he just like follows her away from the village. He's just having a lark. He's he's turned into a bro, basically. That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay. He, he's a he's a he's Brokai. Okay. So Brokai follows the Snow Queen's sleigh. He hooks his sled to hers. She leads him away, and he thinks it's cool. And then when he tries to unhook his sleigh, he's like done having adventures. He is still a little kid. He's not completely frozen hearted yet. He can't get free, right. and so he's very frightened. Um, but he's just stuck until she stops. But when they stop, she kisses his forehead twice, once to take away his awareness of the cold and once to take away his memories of home and grandmother and Gerda. And after that, he cares only about impressing the Snow Queen. So he tells her he knows all his numbers and a bunch of other statistics that are very boring. <laughs> very, very boring. It's like, I know the square mile, square mileage of all the countries, and I also know the number of inhabitants in all the countries. No one cares, Brokai. No one cares. It's Brokai lost all his friends. You're in danger, Brokai. Brokai. It's so sad. So he decides, he becomes in love with this idea of, like, learning more numbers so that she'll think he's worthy. Hmm. Third story. The flower garden of the woman who knows magic. So grieving, but hopeful that Kaya is still alive, or missing rather than dead. Gerda goes looking for him, and she gets swept down a river, and she's pulled far from home. 
So an old woman rescues her and decides to use her magic to keep Gerda with her and make her forget about Guy. So the old woman removes all the roses from her garden so that nothing will remind Gerda of her her childhood playmate, but she forgets one, and that triggers Gerda to eventually remember. So at that point, Gerda asks all the flowers in the garden if they know where Kai is, and they answer her with these fabulous stories that have nothing to do with her questions. <laughs> like, really random, very strange, and eventually she's just like, y'all don't know nothing, and she flees. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at story three. Story three. And both children have been abducted. Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. wanted to just wanted to pluck that little thread. Yep. Story three. Both children have been kidnapped. Now Kai's been kidnapped by the Snow Queen, who's like, let's do puzzles. And <laughs> Gerda has been kidnapped by the this flower growing woman who likes to brush her hair. So like their oh, lives that's so creepy. It is. It is. Okay. But there's like a special line that says, she wasn't a wicked witch. She just knew some magic. That don't make it no better. You still right? abducting children. Okay. She's still abducting children. Okay. Then we have the fourth story. The prince and the princess. It's so long. I love the the energy that you put behind the title. So I feel like he went to the trouble of breaking this down into multiple stories. I can go to the trouble of reading with emphasis. Like <laughs> Thank you. The prince and the princess. It's, I mean, it's still, like, they don't even have names. It's pretty generic. Like, it seems like he put all his creativity into subtitles, <laughs> but it is what it is. Okay, I'm just, I am so, I am just rude. Let's go. I'm it's sorry. It's good. We're back. We're back. Gerda meets a friendly crow, and this crow tells her about a local princess. I actually really love this one. This one and the next one are my favorites. Okay. Tells her about a local princess who recently got bored and decided to marry a good conversationalist. Hey, now. That's okay. awesome. <laughs> How did Hans come up with this? <laughs> right? Go on. I'm like, and you you didn't make this a fairy tale? So the princess put out an ad in the paper inviting young men to come to the castle and talk with her. I love this. So most were too odd to speak, but one scrappy young fellow wandered in, made a good impression, and so she'd married him. Mm -hmm. So Gerda is sure from the crow's description that the prince is Kai. So the crow and his fiancée, who lives in the castle, she is also a crow because, as you know, birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> This is a line in the fairy tale. Cute. I love it. Right? They sneak her in when the residents are sleeping. So it's super creepy, but she just wants to go peek at him and see if he's guy. But I also like how he's very specific. Like, the crows aren't married yet. No. But they are engaged. Oh, and the crow, like, that story does, you know, his his uh, his girlfriend, his fiance is a tame crow who lives in the castle on, on scraps and things like that. Okay. Yes. So they sneak her in. But unfortunately, when she peeks at the prince, he's not Kai. And he wakes up. Awkward. Yeah, awkward. Except he and the princess are totally cool. And they're so moved by Gerda's story that they're like, oh, you know, like, sorry, I'm not your... Your buddy, like, but, you know, sleep in my bed. You know, it's okay. You can have the bed tonight. Do you want to live here? Like, how can we help you? Oh, wow. And Yeah, and they're, like, super nice to the crows, too. They're like, you are so kind and compassionate to this young woman. Please don't sneak anyone else into our bedroom. <laughs> However, Actually, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Would you like, you know, what would you like? Would you like to both be free so you can go off and do your thing? Or would you like to become, like, both have permanent positions as court crows? What does that mean? Like, they'll what? just be like... 
What's the job? Did, is it is it like a pin? Is it a ribbon? Is it a is a medal? Medallion? It's access to like scraps. Ooh, snacks. So it's like you can live here. No one will shoot at you. You'll be very valuable. I want to do that. Right. Yeah, so that's exactly. they choose that. They're like, yeah, I would like to live here for free. If it involves eat, living somewhere for free and eating, I'm yeah, all for it. Exactly. Like I want the court crow job. Yeah. As well. So now Gerda though is like. I can't stay here. And they offer to set her up, too. They're like, do you want to just, like, live here in the castle and be rich? Yes. She's like, no, I miss Brokai. I have to go after Brokai. Girl, you got to go for the gold. Like, Brokai will make it. Like, you got to take care. You got a granny back home that may not be your granny. It may be his granny. Like, you got to think about. Okay. She's just, she's all about the Brokai. So, Prince and the Princess, who are far too cool for words. They equip her with this beautiful golden carriage and warm clothing that's also exquisite. And they give her freaking servants to accompany her on her quest. They're like, let let these people go with you to help you. The princess married a good guy. She really did. And she was a good princess. Like, she had her head on straight. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like her approach. I know. Fifth story, the little robber girl. Here's the thing about gold carriages. They attract robbers. <laughs> Why? Because they're they're cool. <laughs> Why would gold attract robbers? <laughs> I don't understand. Here, let's send you off, vulnerable young woman, into the world with a big, huge target. This sounds like Game of Thrones. Like this sounds like season six-ish Game of Thrones. Okay, it's about to get bloody. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones time. Let's go. So robbers see the gold coach and they attack and they slaughter everyone except Gerda. The crows, too? The crows stayed behind because they're court crows now. But, like, all the servants who were, like, looking to help. Yeah, they're just, like, they're, like, the prince and the princess sent their people, and then their people got slaughtered. Oh, my gosh. So, like, lesson about helping others. Right. But there's this kindly sociopathic robber girl who saves Gerda in order to have a playmate. Oh, wow. She is so not okay. (laughs) <laughs> generally, just just generally not. This is okay. robber girl. Robber girl. The little robber girl is. I'm not. I don't want to use ableist language. She is not okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. The robber girl introduces Gerda to her tame pigeons and doves and her pet reindeer. All of which the robber girl terrorizes regularly. She likes to tickle her reindeer under the neck with a knife to remind him who's in charge. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's not okay. No. Mm. Not okay. No. So the robber girl is fascinated by Gerda's search for Kai and makes her sleep with her, like, one arm around Gerda, the other has the knife. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the robber girl is fascinated by Gerda's search for Kai, and two of the doves reveal that they saw Kai headed north to Lapland with the Snow Queen. So she's finally got a lead. This is her first lead. Right. And then the robber girl's like, well, okay. So that's where she's the kindly sociopathic robber girl. She frees her reindeer and orders the creature to take Gerda to Kai. Okay. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. She's awfully tired, I assume, because... She hasn't had a good night's sleep in days. <laughs> right? Gerda's not doing so great. Sixth story, the Lap Woman and the Finn Woman. Gerda and the reindeer encounter two helpers on their way to the Snow Queen's lair. The Finn Woman tells the reindeer that the only way to free Kai is to remove the shards of the troll's mirror from his eye and his heart. And that there's no power she can give to Gerda that will do more good than the girl's own sweet innocence. 
There is like a little mm. bit of shade here where the Finn, they asked the Finn woman, the reindeer asked the Finn woman to like, can't you just like give her the strength of 12 men to <laughs> over, <laughs> overcome the Snow Queen? And the woman's like, <laughs> the strength of 12 men. What, is, what good is that going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of shade. I like that. But it's her sweet innocence. But I don't know what that means. That, I feel I think, like I know what that means, and I don't know what that means. It's it's a very strange, her goodness, her princess saucity, even though she's not a princess. Okay. I think we can call it princess saucity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the reindeer takes Gerda to the Snow Queen's garden and leaves her there. No mittens, no 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 shoes. She forgot them at home, and the reindeer, on the orders of Thin Woman, is like, no, we just got to go. This is our only shot. So he just leaves her there in the snow. <laughs> and then snowflakes begin to attack her because they're guarding the Snow Queen's castle. But she prays, and she's rescued by angels who warm her hands and feet and see her safely to the castle. Oh, that's nice. Seventh story, what happened at the Snow Queen's castle and elsewhere. So this is when we catch up with Kai and find out that he's been living all this time with the Snow Queen working on puzzles. (laughs) Puzzles made of ice. The Snow Queen's told him that if he can find the word eternity in the ice puzzle thing, he'll become his own master and she'll give him a new pair of skates. Like freedom plus skates. <laughs> Blue light special. <laughs> what more does a young bro want? Right. <laughs> then the Snow Queen, she decides to go off traveling because she's got to whitewash some volcanoes with a light dusting of snow. So she's not even there for the end of the story. Okay. She's traveling when Gerda arrives and finally finds Kai at last. And he's so blue. And this is what's... He's so blue that he's almost black. Hmm. This is what the... Hmm. The story says, which is a very interesting phrasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's unresponsive when she first greets him. But her tears melt the ice around his heart and wash the shard away mm-hmm. from his heart. Okay. And then his tears wash the other shard from mm-hmm. his eye. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that. And All he had to do was cry. Apparently, he just needed feelings. Yeah. They just needed to get their feelings on. Right. Right. And then even the ice dances with joy at their reunion, and then it falls down exhausted and spells out the word that gives Kai his freedom. Eternity. Ooh. Oh, wow. Whoa. Ice dancing for Magic. the win. Magic. And then Gerda and Kai return home, and they revisit the Finn woman and the Lap woman and the little robber girl. And the little robber girl, they ask her about the prince and the princess and, and the crows, and she's like, Ah, the prince and the princess went traveling. The crow died, but his wife, like, she tied a black thread around her ankle, and she whines a lot now about being a widow. About being a widow. Yeah. Little robber girl has not become more tactful. She hasn't evolved. She hasn't evolved. (laughs) Okay. But they get home, and they're reunited with grandmother and find that they're now all grown up. But they remain children at heart, which is how you get into the kingdom of heaven, because, you know, Hans Christian Andersen is all about the god. So, yeah. So that's the fairy tale, which, I mean, when you look at the movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah, There's barely any connection. There's barely any. Just a little with the the removing the shard from the heart and or the cold from the heart and and connection as far as, you know, connection and love seems to unfreeze them. And the idea of the non-romantic love, right? Yes. Um, Being being prioritized over Mm -hmm. romantic love. I, I think there are a couple there are a couple mm-hmm. things that carry over. But I think it's just more striking how random and I think Disney did this with the Princess and the Frog, right? Yep. All these yep. random like things and it's like this random mashup mm-hmm. that became this sensation. 
because Frozen is still a sensation. Yeah, yeah. Right, so. I also see the fact that they they cover up the memories of both the boy and the girl mm-hmm. in the Hans Christian Andersen version, and they also do that in for the for Anna yeah. in the Frozen version. You know, she doesn't remember anything, right? And, and they've mm-hmm. done that on purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a bit of, for us to jump into, so let's let's go ahead and jump into the first question. And I so some one of the first questions that we um, ask our guest Christine is, what were some of the themes? that came up for you that were just striking, that you were like, oh, wow, like, that is something that, oh, I feel some kind of way about that. Okay. Well, there are a lot of themes that came up for me that were quite telling. And and some of them are typical Disney things, like the shape of women's bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the fact that both Elsa and Anna have these bodies that are so thin. And even I I read something about this. They tried to make their bodies different, and they are, but they're still supposed to be different and, quote, beautiful. You know, Mm -hmm. they couldn't Mm. vary their body shape because they wanted them to be beautiful. And this was Mm. basically an article talking about yeah. Disney and what they were, the, the people designing the characters. And yeah. there was beauty. You know, well, what are we going to do? They have to look different, but they both have to be beautiful. And how are we going to face this? Um, how are we going to distinguish between them? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when when there's just one typical Disney princess, now we right. have two. Yeah. And right. So that's one. The other thing is that Anna's eyes are bigger than her wrist. I noticed yeah. that, too, uh, and I compared it to... Or other, her pupils. Yeah, I compared it to other characters, like the regular town folk. Like, mm-hmm. they had regular eyes. Yes. Yep. And she did not. I, I noticed, and, and neither did her sister. No. Mm-hmm. And that's typical of a Disney princess. They have to look adorable, cute, and they, they make the eyes, from what I understand, or the pupils, a lot bigger because it shows this kind of helplessness and it makes them look really cute. You know when you look at a newborn baby mm-hmm. and they're all eyes? Well, they try to do that with, with women as well. And if you yeah. look at all of the men in in Disney movies, and in, in this one too, they have normal eyes. Yeah. You know, they don't, and, and they're diverse. They have diverse body shapes. They they don't have to be stick thin. You know, they can yeah. be all kinds of shapes right. and sizes. But with women, they all have these big pupils. They all have these stick thin bodies. And the fact that Anna's pupils are bigger than her wrist is problematic. You know, she's, it, it, it is a problem. Yeah. So that's another thing that I noticed. Was, it, I mean, it's it's related to the same thing, how they portray women. There's just one type of woman you can be. And, and you know, in this one, everybody's white. And, and I, so for most Disney princesses, not all of them now, but most of them, they're white, they're stick thin, they have right. big pupils. So mm-hmm. she looks like, or both of them look like any other Disney princess that you might run into. Right. For me, another problematic thing was that there was no diversity at all. And when I looked into exactly where this was filmed, they said, Den- I mean, not filmed, excuse yeah. me, but exactly <laughs> where this set. is supposed to be based set, on, yeah. based on, there are images of Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, mm-hmm. like different lands that come from all three countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wanted to call one of my friends 
in Sweden and, I, and ask her, could you just look around and tell me if there's any diversity around where you are? Because I assume there must be one black person there and there must be, you know, a, a bit of diversity right. in, in all three of these countries, but you don't see it. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit yeah. earlier behind the scenes. I was like, man, like everything was so white that they ran out of white and then they had to make the, the ice clear. Like, there was just so much white everywhere between the people, between Olaf, between the the party goers, like, and when, and I, I think it was interesting too because they actually did, they actually, I think, did make some type of show of difference between snow and what Elsa was, right? And mm-hmm. so it was this idea of snow versus cold ice and the, and how clear it was, almost blue, yeah. right? Yeah. Very similar to this idea of being so blue, so so cold, so blue, yeah, right? So it was darker. Yeah. But it just ran out of white. We talked about it. was like it was just white everywhere. Yeah. With everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was I blinding. Think it was. <laughs> the thing is that they did have a situation where people were coming from outside of Arendelle. Yeah. So it's it's not that, you know, there are homogenous populations. Yeah. You know, okay, they exist. But you have people coming in from elsewhere, and you are making this for an audience that is primarily the U.S. today. Mm-hmm. So within the story, there is a way to show people who look different from each other. Right. You know, not asking for the moon, just... Maybe not quite so pale. You had an opening. You have an opening. You should have took it. Yeah. Like that weasel town. You know, I don't it's, want the weasel town people. It's Wesselton. Oh, okay. well, Wesselton. Wesselton. <laughs> they, they, they didn't need to be the, the people who were darker. But, like, you know, just you yeah. have people coming in for this coronation. Right. There's a reason. Right. That's a really good point. And what I understand, I've read something about Kristoff. He's supposed to be, now correct my pronunciation if you know it, Sami or do you know, hmm, it's no. a population, um, a northern population that does have darker skin. Really? But he's blonde. What? Yeah. Or and, and I don't know if everyone from that population has darker skin, but some do. Darker skin and darker hair. And Kristoff is supposedly Sami, if I'm saying that correctly. And this is just one article that I read, so I'm not sure... Huh. If I have the correct pronunciation, forgive me if I don't. Yeah, yeah. However, the person who was writing the article was very surprised that he was blonde. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Throw Disney away. Oh. <laughs> Disney is trash. That's not even an opening. No, that's, just that's historical like... fact, right? And you're just like, nope, not necessary. Wow. We want it all white. Yeah. And there was no, they didn't even try. Yeah. They didn't even try. That's also sadly a theme with Disney. Yeah. When yeah. things get complicated, they don't try. They don't try. They just don't try. They just refuse to try. Mm. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm sitting with that in my spirit, but uh, feel free. If there are any other things that come up for you specifically. There are. So Elsa was originally a villain. And, and it's interesting because a few weeks ago I went to the Junior Theater Festival. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. No. And my daughter goes every year because she's involved in musical theater. 
And there are about five, 6,000 kids performing musical theater. And they actually had two people. Their names are Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. And they are the two humans who wrote the music yes. for Frozen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were there and they were talking. Really? I mean, it was amazing because I knew I had to. I, I had this coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I was so thrilled that they were there. They're actually putting out a musical theater. They do. It's It's called... Junior musical theater. So they take the the musical theater and they kind of make it PG and mm-hmm. they also make it smaller, you know, mm-hmm. more contained. Mm-hmm. And so basically they're, the kids are doing 15-minute pieces and competing with them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's great. But what I found out was that Lopez and Lopez, they wrote the song Let It Go. And the interesting thing was Elsa was supposed to be a villain but they put themselves into the the body of Elsa. They said, what would it feel like yeah. if we were Elsa? What would this feel like to be, you know, ostracized from society and have this random power? And so they wrote Let It Go. Mm-hmm. And then Disney listened to it and they loved the song. They were crazy about it. And it forced them to rewrite the character of Elsa. Wow. That makes so much yeah, sense really to does. me. It that makes really so much sense to me, Christine, because I so I rewatched it this morning before we met today, and I kept struggling with the fact that it felt as if there were points where it felt as if a couple things. One, Elsa didn't do anything. Yep. Right? There was no re like she- I'm supposed to hate her or I'm supposed to fear her or I'm supposed to want her ostracized or I'm supposed to want her to suffer, but there's literally nothing that she did for me to feel that way. And I'm also supposed to create this contentious relationship or support a contentious relationship between she and her sister. And I'm supposed to see her sister as more valuable. And I was like, I just, I kind of don't. Yeah. I mean, your sister's cute. She's a baby sister. I'm a baby sister whatever like I think that Elsa was more complicated because of the fact that she was legit someone who was imprisoned in her home she was abused she Mm -hmm. was abused Mm -hmm. she was held hostage in her home by her parents and that's against the law yes you would you would see one of those news stories where they said child found in cellar uh, held by parents and yeah absolutely she's imprisoned in her home she's not even she's isolated even from her own sibling like anna is is bored but she's not a prisoner right elsa's a prisoner Mm -hmm. and she isn't she she internalizes that mindset to the point that even when she becomes queen, she holds herself prisoner. Yeah. Right. She, exactly. And I also think it was interesting how her her parents were not seen as evil people. Oh. Right. I, I mean, thought they were. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. But even when they like when they are clearly they are holding you hostage. Yeah. I think that it was also strange how even when they died, there was nothing holding her yeah. to live the life that they set forth. Yeah. And yet she carried on as usual. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is so my biggest connection to this story is about is through the lens of, of having been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And this is what 
people who have been abused often do. Yeah. And, and, you know, the parents are saying, we've got to protect the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we've got yeah. to protect oh. the family. Basically, they sent away a lot of, you know, when I was watching the movie again yesterday, they sent away the, a lot of the staff yeah. from the house. They clo- closed off the kids and they couldn't couldn't yep. talk. They wanted to protect them. They obviously canceled Anna's or Anna. Anna's Anna. memories, mm-hmm. you know, so Anna doesn't have any memories mm-hmm. of the the incident, mm-hmm. right? And so they they basically, in my opinion, follow the trajectory of somebody who's been abused or, you know, anybody who's experienced anything really yeah. difficult, anybody who's experienced trauma. Mm-hmm. And so th- there's this feeling of guilt. Mm-hmm. There's this a lot of time Elsa is saying, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. I don't want to hurt anyone. Yeah. And that's a, a common thing that happens to people who have experienced trauma. Because if you tell the people you love, even though you didn't do it, you hurt them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so keeping it contained, keeping it away from those you love is a way for you to protect them. But what happens is you lose yourself in the process. And when I was watching this movie, that's what I saw. I saw Elsa trying to contain it. And, and you know, when something's behind, locked behind a closed door, it grows. It does not—you cannot contain it if it's behind a closed door. If it's, if it's rape, abuse, assault, uh, racism, right. um, you know, anything like that, if you don't talk about it, if you keep it behind mm-hmm. a, a closed door, then it's going to get bigger. By the time it comes out, it's an ice storm. Mm. And that's, you know, basically what I was watching mm. happen. So I I really related to Elsa. Um, the The other thing is that people kept calling her cold. She, Her heart was frozen. She was frozen. Well, you know, if you're not allowed to talk about the most traumatic experience of your life, uh, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. there are th- it becomes hard to talk about anything. Yeah. You know, it becomes hard to talk about your favorite sandwich. You don't you, you don't trust your own your own truth in a way. If you if if you're buying into everybody else's truth about what's wrong with you, about what's not not what's wrong with you, it's what somebody's done to you or mm-hmm. some tragedy that's happened or trauma that has happened. If you're willing to buy society's vision of it, then your own vision is, you know, pushed aside. Suddenly it becomes hard to choose a sandwich. You know, I don't care. Whatever mm-hmm. sandwich you want, we'll get yeah. that. You know, whatever type of pizza you want to order, we'll get that. Yeah. Um, it goes down to small daily decisions, at least in my own experience with trauma and with a lot of people I've spoken with who have experienced it. That reminds me of the Audre Lorde quote around defining yourself, the dangers of having other people define yeah. you and and being destroyed by it, yeah. right? That's exactly, yeah, that, that, that hits, it rings so true. And it's interesting that you say, the phrase that she uses is that it becomes an ice storm because in some of her most tumultuous times with mm-hmm. trying to struggle, like this is someone who has a power, who never asked for it, who never, clearly she was born with it. It's hereditary is what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> like, where did yeah. this come from? Yeah. This is this part is, of the family. This comes from the family. She didn't ask for it. Somebody is deciding, right? And, and even when we're talking about just family violence or family sexual violence, right, what we know is what happened in larger groups is that this is not 
the first time that something like this has happened, mm-hmm. right? There's usually a pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. And so very similar, this is something that has more than likely existed before with someone else in the family. People decided not to talk about it, not to educate the family mm-hmm. on it. And then it became something that she had to bear the brunt of. Yeah. And she had to become uh, punished because of it. And not only that, but she it had to it had to seem as if she was doing it for the betterment of other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Other people mm-hmm. who had access to much more of a life of some sort yeah. than she, like, she was the sacrificial lamb. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of how I saw her. But, and, and very similar to uh, the dynamics and family violence, usually the sacrificial lamb also becomes demonized. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Thus bringing us back to the fact that she was initially the villain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice because in the Snow Queen, she is a, she's the villain, but she, she commits no acts of violence. Yeah. Like, Kai, like, in the original fairy tale, Kai hooks his sled to hers. And every time he goes to unhook it, she kind of gives him a nod. And he's like, yeah, I'm staying. <laughs> uh-huh, and they just uh-huh. go for it. So the, the what she does, the only thing she does to him, and it's significant, but the only thing she does to him is she kisses him and removes his memories. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, and that is a violation. Oh, yeah. Right. That is in and of itself a violation. But she never holds him, like, she doesn't let go of his sled while she's moving. Right. Yeah. But but there's, the, this idea of the Snow Queen as a villain is, is a little bit overwrought. And mm. so to make, and the way that they, the, the portrayal of Elsa, even just the reaction to her, you're a monster, you're a monster, all of that is, again, like, that's... The monster is the one who's experienced the trauma because... Without that trauma, the whole family would feel better. You know, it, mm. you yeah. know, basically the whole family. Yeah. Why do we have to deal with your trauma? Right. Um, why does it have to invade our whole family? We're not going to let that happen. We want to erase your memories. Mm-hmm. We want right. you to to exile yourself. You know, mm-hmm. we want you to just stay away from everyone, so we don't have to look at this trauma and talk about it and and look it in the eyes because that's too hard. And I think I struggle more with the Ice Queen in Hans's story mm-hmm. than I do with Elsa because yeah. I do think that there are points where, um, as a, I think for in both areas, consent was an issue. Yes, right. Yes, and so I think that with Elsa, she never consented to this yep. life. This was something that was thrust upon her that they told her she would have to abide by. Mm-hmm. And they gave her no training. They gave her no, like, there was no no support, even in this decision being made, which was a horrible, like, it's yeah. always, America, it's always a bad decision to imprison your children. Yes. Okay? But even in that, like, there was no, like, it was just a hard line that was drawn one day, boom, bam, boom, right? Yeah. I think with the Ice Queen, what I struggle with is the fact that there were points where Brokai wanted to yeah. wanted to go, and she didn't let him go, and she didn't yeah. let him go. She's a villain. She's a. Mm-hmm. I, she's, I struggle right because she's complicated. I'm, she, like because she didn't really kill anybody. She's out there like decorating mountain volcano mm-hmm. volcanoes volcanoes and whatnot, whatever, whatnot. Um, she doesn't stop him when he's. And she, and she plays puzzles, right? Mm-hmm. She likes puzzles with the kid. Like, okay, I 
she still abducted the kid, right? And yeah. and so that is the piece, like in in the same way that the woman, the magic woman with the garden and the roses that were really good at mm-hmm. but distracting conversation, distracted conversation, right? Still yeah. weird, right? Yeah. So for me, it is this idea of those and and and. Oh, and I think that that's the connection. I think the parents, I think the ice queen in the story are those uh, relatable captors. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so I think that that makes it okay, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's what I am kind of getting out of it. Like, mm. it was done out of love or it was done out of affection or I'm not necessarily dangerous. Yep. yep. And so it's okay if I if I do it this way. I'm not hurting you. I just want you to do what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not as bad. Right. Like, that's, right, right, that's it. Right. That's it. It's not I as bad. I could be worse. There you go. That's that's the dynamic that that I really struggle with because I find myself like there's a part of me because I always like to read and counter narratives. There's a part of me that's like Brokai is being a jerk and the Snow Queen and he's as he there's no cure for these shards. He's going to continue to be like he's running around town making people cry. He's being incredibly cruel. And the Snow Queen abducts him and takes him to a place where he can't hurt anyone. So there's an element of like it, it, yeah. he's kind of become a villain or he's on his path to becoming a villain when she takes him away. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of me that's like, mm. you know, if if there hadn't been a cure, then. Do you think he is Elsa? In that way. Mm-hmm. So that's the mm-hmm. thing. I mm-hmm. think that what the what Frozen has done is that both Anna and Elsa incorporate pieces of of um, Kai. Mm-hmm. So Anna is both Gerda and Kai in the sense uh, that mm-hmm. something um, touches her her heart, like the 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 shards and the heart and the eyes, yeah. like the head and the heart. Mm-hmm. That piece is there, but in terms of Something happening to an innocent child that turns them into potentially a villain, that's Elsa. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Elsa's both the Snow Queen and Kai. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. That's true. Yeah. And I can, and because of the journey that Anna, that Anna went on mm-hmm. uh, to retrieve the person that she has non-romantic feelings for, yeah, mm-hmm. right? But loves this person as, mm-hmm. as a sister, right? As mm-hmm. a sibling. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. Oh, Disney. Disney, Disney, Disney. Disney, it's interesting to see Anna and kind of battling with the trope of true love's first kiss. During oh, this. oh <laughs> that was so fun. Yeah, because that was Disney's, the part I actually really Yeah, liked, Disney's making, making fun, fun of that. itself. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a little step in the right direction, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you, so. You were going to marry him after what? Dance. Yes. And he says, I don't trust your judgment. No, you cannot. You cannot help me fight the bulls, actually, because your judgment is not sound. <laughs> I loved it. Which, yeah. also, I love Kristoff and Sven. Aww. They are, like, I just love Kristoff. And this is the first. This is the first. It is. I There's a male character that I think is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he is. He has a reindeer friend. He has a reindeer and he's friend. he's nice. He's a kind person. <laughs> like, he's a kind person. Questions that came up for me. I think it's interesting when you talk about Kristoff's origin, right? The origin story of who he was supposed to be connected to. Oh, yeah. Right? And and I, in the beginning, we saw him with these group of very white men carrying mm-hmm. very heavy blocks of ice. 
We don't kind of... Where did they go? Where did his people go, and how did he end up with the trolls? Hmm. I, I got the impression that he was an orphan. Okay. Because nobody's looking out for this kid, and that is a very dangerous job that they're right. doing. And they didn't even take him on their sled. No. He's following along behind with his little moose friend, or reindeer friend. Reindeer. Reindeer. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Did you notice, though, at the beginning, the, the, the movie starts out where there are all these men hard at work, you know, uh, lifting up mm-hmm. icicles, and they've got these phallic things. They're like, you know, Plunging gouging, into, into, gouging yeah. into the ice, and it starts out with all this male energy, right? Yeah. And every man seems to have, a, not everyone, but a lot of the men seem to have a job, right? Mm-hmm. But when you look at the woman, they're just chasing, either they're chasing after men, or they, like you said with Elsa, they don't have a purpose. And she's I w- supposed to be the queen. Yes, she is, but, but she she's still, she hasn't left the house, and she do, we don't know what she does with her spare time. I So who's running yeah. the kingdom? Like, because they're still building that need to be paid, yeah. trade, like they're doing they're trade. Tra- they're doing so trade. So who is actually That's a good question. ruling, I guess? But that they don't leave in charge because Anna leaves like, what's his face? This random prince. Random pr- <laughs> prince. Wait, I'll find. Hans? Prince Hans. Prince Hans. Prince Hans. Yeah. Prince Hans. Ugh, Prince Hans. The, I, I uh, don't like him at all. No, he's like horrible. He's, the other thing is men, men speak way more than women in most Disney films. And this one, men speak 59% of the time and women mm. the other percentage. Let's see. What is that? 41? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So <laughs> 59% of the time men speak and 41% of the time women do. But if you think about it, the two main characters are women. So mm-hmm. why are men speaking more in this movie? Wow. And most Disney films, if you look, I looked at a chart huh. and... uh in most Disney films, men speak much more than women. Well, I knew that because, like, women just look. Well, Ariel has her. Ariel loses her voice. Loses her voice. I know. Mama Cinderella, mia. like, she sings a couple songs. Sleeping beautiful sleep. She sleeps as a She was tired. Yeah. And we can't count the birds. Like, you know, like, I mean, we can't count the rats. Like, that, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Man, Christine, you are bringing it. Oh, wow. thanks. I, I did some like, research. Oh. Yeah, you <laughs> but <laughs> I'm well, an academic. I, well, maybe that's something we need to look at. <laughs> you two always do your research. I, I'm always impressed with you. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Okay, so Mia. the second question that I have for you is, how do you see these themes impacting the work that you do, the social justice work that you do? Well, I do a lot of work with um, with students who have experienced trauma, mm-hmm. and so I definitely see it impacting me in that way, mm-hmm. because uh, you know I I do a couple different things uh, with student groups, and they're all marginalized groups, all three, and they've all experienced trauma of some sort, and so when I look at at this movie. I realized that the most important thing we can do is bear witness to each mm-hmm. other's stories because mm-hmm. if we don't, mm-hmm. we're going to look at our, our students, our colleagues, our friends, our loved ones, and they're going to be frozen in their own stories with no outlet, nobody to hear them, nobody to validate what they've, been, what they've experienced, and no voice, no way to heal. And so, you know, when you look at the results of this movie, when you see what happens, Anna turns away from 
the man and she jumps in front of her sister to defend her with love. Mm-hmm. And she's only seeing her sister. That's who she's seeing. She's bearing witness to her sister in so many ways at that moment. When that happens, everything melts away. Mm-hmm. And you see that Elsa can live a productive life. You know, she is going to go back to, to hopefully her life will be different. Hopefully her life will be more rich. Hopefully she'll have a voice. You know, hopefully society will allow her to talk about her experiences and, and that she won't have to hide them. But maybe they've learned something from this. And and when I look at Frozen and when I look at the students that I work with and I look at the people I know who have experienced trauma, the one thing that I want to do for them and that I want our whole society to do is bear witness to their stories. One of the most difficult kind of anger-filled moments of this year was the trial with Kavanaugh and Ford. And when I look at that circus, I see that Ford, I mean, I I watched her. She was so credible. Mm -hmm. She had, you you could tell that she felt everything that she said. She was lovely. She was authentic, real. Her story needed to be heard. And immediately after that, people started on the news, you know, shooting down her story not bearing witness to it in the right way, saying that couldn't have happened, or you can't feel like that, or you should remember this, or, you know, all these would have, should have, could have. And then, you know, what we needed to do as a nation was be a one huge body that bore witness to, to what happened to her. Instead, you know, you see these these old white men who would have never experienced rape, you know, or assault in the way that she did, and they were say, apologizing to the perpetrator. You know, they were saying, oh, Kavanaugh, we are so sorry that you and your family had to go through this. Well, what about Ford? Mm-hmm. What about what she had to go, go yeah. through? Nobody was apologizing to her. And it just made me angry. And, and it makes me look at Frozen in a way Frozen needs to be talked about as well. You know, the, the, the fact is we all have stories to tell and we all need to tell them. And modeling how to do that is important. And if we don't have the leaders of our country modeling how to bear witness in a way that is authentic and in a way that hears somebody's story without challenging them, you know, in a way that says, I am sorry that this happened to you and we've got to do better. If that can't happen, you know, what, what's, what's going to happen to our, our world? You know, so for me, I I want to talk about Frozen because I want anyone who's experienced trauma to be able to talk about their stories. And Frozen models in a way that once you do talk about the story, once it does come out in the open, once uh, you allow somebody to have a voice, they melt, you know, like in in a positive way that they they change because they're uh, they're what's the word? Uh, They change because they're given a voice, because their story is validated, because they feel heard. And mm-hmm. and a lot of people who have experienced trauma are told, don't say anything. Yeah. We don't want to hear your story. There are people who don't talk to me because of my story, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because and, and I, I did talk to a, a counselor about it. And she said they haven't had all the training that you've had, the social justice training that you have. They don't know how to talk about it. Nobody's modeled for them how to how to mm-hmm. speak about difficulty, yeah. um, to look at trauma in the face. And so that's something, you know, and, and this counselor said, do you think they love you? And I said, they do. You're right. They just don't know how to how to have these conversations. And 
for me, that was very telling. And, and I think that anyone who knows how to bear witness, how to talk about drama, if they feel comfortable, they should do it because mm-hmm. it is model, modeling how to do it. And mm-hmm. our country needs, that's, that's something we desperately need to learn how to do for each other. Yeah. Final question, Christine. If you had to retell Frozen, what would that story look like? Okay. Well, if I had to retell Frozen, mm. Elsa would be able to talk about her struggles from the moment they happened with the whole community. The whole community would bear witness to her story. They would love her unconditionally and show their love and tell her how strong she was and how brave she was and how they were going to all work together to get through this this moment of her life and they'd always be there for her. They would say they believed her and they would they would provide support for her family too. And they would they would tell the parents what a good job they were doing at allowing Elsa to talk about her struggles because of course the parents would want would encourage Elsa to talk about her difficulties and have her sister Anna be there for her, you know, to to play and hang out and and just do fun sister stuff that would never change and they would they would still be incredibly close and the sister would understand something about i mean Anna would understand something about Elsa that was profound and and deep and meaningful and would be as important to Anna and the parents as it was to Elsa i would have a lot of diversity in this town so you wouldn't just see white people walking around Anna and Elsa's eyes would be normal size. (laughs) (laughs) And they would have bodies that were lovely in a diverse, Mm -hmm. wonderful way. Uh, They wouldn't be so thin. You know, they would look as though they had eaten food. And and maybe they would be eating. You know, there might be some scenes where they're having a a beautiful meal with people, with people who love them. And, you know, that they would become very strong because they had this huge support. And every night they'd check in with each other at the table over dinner. And they would eat starch, you know, like they would, they yes. would have starch pasta. And, and pasta. You know, they would have, but all kinds of good foods. I don't think I've seen, I don't think I saw anybody in this movie eat. Well, maybe I'm wrong. It Anna does when did, stuff her face with chocolate briefly. Okay. So, but I was just thinking when you said that, have we she ever. She look like she's eating chocolate. Have we ever seen <laughs> a Disney princess eat a full meal? Oh. No, I don't think so. But it's one of the biggest delights of life. I mean, why can't Disney princesses eat a full meal and enjoy them? Oh, I have a friend who, like, she has a group, and, like, when they have something really amazing to eat, they, like, video chat with each other so they can watch each other eat it. Well, that's, oh, that's a awesome. nice idea. Isn't that amazing? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, I like that. People open up over food. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's. Immediately, no pun intended, an icebreaker. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Thank you. Thank you. Shannon, what about you? Oh, well, we didn't really get to talk about the trolls. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. So So tell tell me about it. I have some. I had some feelings when the trolls came on in this like land of whiteness, and then you have these little rock people, and I'm like. You did not cast a black woman as the voice mm-hmm. of the troll. Mm-hmm. And I Googled, and I was like, you did. Mm-hmm. You did. Mm-hmm. So the way that, I mean, it's just, it's very typical of Disney. Right. That their experience of who is coded 
as non-white are the troll people. Yeah. And these are indigenous folk. And these are the indigenous mm-hmm. folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are indigenous folk who are magical and wise and adopt the 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 orphan who is supposed to be, but is not, the human of, of color. Um, or at least the darker mm-hmm. Norwegian. Yeah. Yeah, the darker, <laughs> the Norwegian. darker Norwegian. So I had some feelings about that. And so I would, first of all, if I was going to retell Frozen, I think that, Christine, that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. you. You got that. And if I was going to tell another story within this world, I'm really interested in the trolls as more than, like, people just appearing to save the princesses, but as people with a unique culture of their own and lives of their own and big enough heart to adopt this orphan who, like, talks for his reindeer and uh, raise him. I would like to know that they have some kind... I'd like to know about them in a way that is nuanced and sophisticated and uh, respectful. I also really desperately want a reindeer friend. You do. I do. I texted Wanda (laughs) last night. She Um, does. I do. I have many animal friends. But no reindeer. I have no reindeer friends. So I would like a reindeer friend and hashtag reindeer life. (laughs) And maybe an Instagram reindeer life. life. (laughs) So I got very distracted by that. Your eyes got almost as big as Elsa's <laughs> when you were talking about that. <laughs> so that's another that's another little place that my mind mind goes when I watch this. It's the trolls and it's Kristoff uh, and Sven. I had trouble figuring out the trolls and at lo- Do you do you have? I mean, I just didn't know like understand what they, their place or why they were there. It, it, there may have be some insights, Shannon. I mean, in certain it, pa- like. Animism, the animated world, is big in pagan traditions, Mm -hmm. and there's plenty of that in that region. I don't know the specific myths and legends of of Norway. Right. It's not... Sweden and Denmark. Sweden and Denmark, (laughs) Well, it's specifically... Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, yes, of that region. I don't know them very well. Lapland is also, like... Mm-hmm. the northern region of several mm-hmm. of those uh what what is now several of those countries so i don't i don't know and i don't know about that i you're still an incredibly wise woman thank you i appreciate it <laughs> i have I, no clues <laughs> i have some issues with the whole troll thing just yeah. to begin with if they are taken as a given and they exist i would personally make them human i hope disney listens to your podcast I hope we don't get sued if they do. <laughs> <laughs> what I care about is like, I just don't want them to sue. No, it would help well, them Disney be better. Well, Disney isn't a monolith, right? right? Like, Disney is a global corporation. It's not a human. It's, it's not, not a human. Yeah, that's yeah true. even when Disney was a human, Disney wasn't a human. You right. know, like, but but it would be nice if people who were doing... But, you know, I mean, also, when you're making these films, you're making them by committee. This idea that mm-hmm. one person can make that there is an author and that by convincing that author, you know, you're going to be able to change the formula is it's false. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, you can have good people working on this and subtly shifting the narr- these things right. and subtly shifting the narratives. But you're still doing that within a corporate system that 
that you're going to get notes from the studio and they're going to tell you, do this, do that. This is the Disney way. That isn't the Disney way. Mm, right. So, mm. you know, that's the thing about filmmaking in general, but specifically an animated film where you're dealing with so many people. Yeah. You're, you just don't have, but it would be great. Yeah. If, you know. I, so. Yeah. So what about you? My retelling would be very straightforward. Mm -hmm. I feel that I want the opportunity to see Elsa thrive in an environment that never obstructed her power. Mm. And so parents would realize early on, kid is born with the power, go figure out where it came from, do some searches in the history books of their family origin, find out how that survived, how that how that power impacted where that time and, and their family, figure out how to not make the mistakes of the past, mm -hmm. train her in mm -hmm. how to use her power, help her and her sister both to understand what the power is. And also the other piece of it is I feel like Anna also, I think she also has a power. It is not that, but mm -hmm. I think she definitely has a power of advocacy in a way mm. that... Uh, you saw when not only when Elsa left, but you also saw her work when when she went to go buy winter clothing and like she makes things happen. Right. Yeah. And she's a very like she is an on point strategist when the wolves were behind them and mm -hmm. she was giving orders before Kristoff um, could give or like she has a power. So I think it's how are we defining power and then how do we create? an opportunity for both these women to be leaders, mm -hmm. right? Because that's the overall, like, you're, you're ruling a kingdom. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need you to learn how to do that. Yeah. Right? Your parents like to go on dangerous cruises. <laughs> right? And so I need you to be prepared. Yeah. So I think that, that w that's one thing. Of course, I there, I, I, there are no black people. Mm -hmm. There are no people of color, period. I will always say there are no black people when there are no black people because I am also a black people and there are no black people. Uh, and I think that places where black people are not, unless mm -hmm. there are places where white supremacy is just running rampant, mm -hmm. I think that's a sad place to be. Mm -hmm. Keep your white supremacy over there. Black people ain't going to show up. It's yeah. fine. However... In places where black people could reasonably live in safety, mm -hmm. you should let us in. Mm -hmm. Historically, it's been rough. Give us space. So I would also like to see uh, the coronation become a very diverse uh -huh. three, four-day party. Mm. Also, invite the trolls. Yeah. Yes, Why are the trolls ain't there? Why are you going to them every time you have a problem, but they don't come to the party? Because that's the story of America. Ah. The, the story of America and people of mm. color. Mm -hmm. Let's just go and get these yeah. problems solved. No, you can't come in, but we'll meet you out in the parking lot. Fix us and we'll go away. So I, I would be interested in seeing that. I would like to see an Elsa who is in charge of her kingdom much earlier. Mm-hmm. I want to know why you've been in a in a in a trade agreement with Weaselton for so long. Yeah, clearly, like they ain't even got sis to glue their lace fronts down. So why would they? Why would we want them? I would also like to see. I I I would like to see 
them. I, I just think I would just like to see fuller people. Mm-hmm. I think Disney in general has an issue with that. Yeah. I would like to see fuller people. I would like to see Elsa not afraid of her power. I'll still keep Olaf. I think he's the bomb. And I also think just largely I would focus on how to just how to create space within this environment with this power that she has and see it being used as a as a as an asset to the people you know are there ways in which your power could be useful mm-hmm. if there is an environmental crisis mm-hmm. like those kinds of things right like what are we doing yeah. how how are we going to mm-hmm. how are you going to see this as being beneficial i just want to see a more industrious politically savvy group of women because at the end of the day they are your local government they yeah. are your governing body. I think we just don't get that. And I do think that Hans, 13 of his line, <laughs> he will be put to death. Mm. Yes. Quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was it was like the, the love of sisters. I come from a girl gang. Like, I love all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think, again, we've talked about this, how Disney works. Disney had no problem separating these sisters. Yep. Yeah. Until the last 15 minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. Disney had no problem with them being at odds. And so I would like to see a story where they work together jointly throughout and they are raised as a as to know that they are a team, they are a group, they are strong in numbers. How are we organizing other women? Like, those kinds of things. I think it's a movie that Disney would not be interested in, but it is a movie that I would like to see. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, my daughter said before I left, she said, Mom, you'll be happy to know that the Broadway musical has a, a black man in it and he is Kristoff. So Yay. I thought I'd let you know. <laughs> Yay. Mm-hmm. And also, let's get us a, let's get us a black Kristoff. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah, get us a Kristoff of color. Let's get us some people of color who are yeah. in government. Yeah. I think I, that's that's where I sit with my yeah. retailer. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Too. And I want Elsa to like if she wants to live in the North Mountain. She can live in the North Mountain. Let, let her go. live in let the North Mountain. Let her go. Let her go. Ooh, let her go. Let her go. Nice. I kept singing that. <laughs> let her go. Let her go. Let her go. I wa- okay, I had that same reaction. I was like, she doesn't want to live in the the palace is a source of that that's where she's been held captive yes. her entire life. Yes. If she doesn't want to live there, don't make her live there. Right. And I also, it, pet peeve, but I wanted somebody to, like, just ask her what it was like all those years. Like, yeah. to, for Anna to, for Anna in particular, because mm-hmm. Anna was the other one who was in it with her. But she wasn't. But she wasn't. Right. She was right next door without knowing what was going on. Like, if she could just have said, what was that? Like, I know I was lonely. But I still had the servants, you know, even if there weren't that many of them. And I still had mom and dad. And I still knew that someday I was going to get to go outside. You know, like, I didn't feel like it was all my fault. What was it like to know you could never? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What was that like? Like, that would be an important moment. I mean, I think <sighs> it's interesting when families go through, you know, some crazy oh. moment together. And then years later, I found this with my own brothers would say, what just, what happened? You know, you touch base, you what happened? Do you yeah. remember that? We all have a different take on it. Right. You know, everybody has a different mm-hmm. take, but it's the same event 
We all mm. and and it would be good for everyone experiences things differently. So you're right; mm. it would be good for them to to touch base on what was going. You know, what were they experienced at that time? It was difficult for both of them. And why can't Anna go be queen so Elsa can like chill out in the mountains? Because I don't think she wants it. She like that's the other it. piece. I don't think she wants it. And I think. Again, I think Anna will be great. Yeah. I think she'll be great at She's it. She's a natural leader. I think Elsa can run our war department. Mm, that could work. I need you to be the general here. Mm-hmm. I need you to figure this out. I feel like they could both be generals. Like, I feel like they both have the capacity to be military masterminds. They're mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. You know, when you think about it, they have strength. We have to develop. They, they need to be deeper characters. You mm-hmm. know, but they do have strength, and you see that strength throughout the movie. I don't want them to get attacked. I feel like they have been through enough. However, maybe a nice natural disaster that would allow them to use their strategic emergency mm. management planning skills. Okay. To avoid, like, I like <laughs> to look, avoid death. Do you remember that year when like multiple volcano movies came out, or mm-hmm. that other year where multiple like climate change movies came out, or that other year <laughs> yeah. where because like, it's always at least two, right? Yes. Right. And I watch all of them. Okay. I think that they could use a nice volcano. Oh, okay. heck yeah! Right, and then just. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. can do her thing. And there's always, yes. like, an animal friend that yeah. is briefly in danger but escapes because you can't ever hurt the animal friends in these movies. So right. I feel like there's a role for Sven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not losing the reindeer. No, Shannon. we're not losing the reindeer. <laughs> no, no, no. The reindeer is okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we're no. We're all no. clear on what I Yes. <laughs> we, we know you wouldn't be able to cope with anything no. happening to Sven. No. Not an option. Okay. No. Okay. All right, y'all. This is great. This has this been amazing. Great. I love. I just have to say, I love your podcast, and I'm in <laughs> awe of both of you. It's oh, phenomenal. Really? It's exactly what needs to be out there. That's just I. I and to be sitting here on this podcast after listening to it for a whole season, it's a dream. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm honored so to be here. I love both of you so much. I Thanks for the great work that you're doing. I don't know what to do with your words. I don't ah. know what to do with your words. Oh. Maybe we should have a chat about it. After, like. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about it until you're feeling okay We should talk it. about it until I'm okay. You yes. bear witness. I will bear witness. witness. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to bear witness. I'm just glad you took your shirt off the top of your face. I did. I see, <laughs> I, that's what I do when I get... I just don't understand. So I just put my, I put my shirt on top of my head. <laughs> so. It's like a little retreat. Almost it like a, it's like a turtle. It's, a turtle. it's my shell. Exactly. <laughs> it's my shell. So, Christine, how can people get in contact with you? You are amazing. Yes. And you're doing so many wonderful things. And you have a book out in July Ooh. of this year. How can people stay in contact with what you're doing? Uh, well, I have a website, christinerestino.com. And my email is C-R-I-S-T-A-I at E-M-O-R-Y dot E-D-U, Christi at Emory dot E-D-U. And uh, so, I mean, I'd love to hear from your listeners if they want to to have a, a good chat. I love, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is bear witness to other people's stories. And I love to... I love to connect over food. What else? You in in my book, you can order it if you want through Amazon.com. And remind uh, remind our readers of the name of the book. Oh, again. the book is All the Silent Spaces, mm-hmm. and All the Silent Spaces is about my journey after I was attacked in front of my children in a parking lot 
when they were three and five. And basically the the whole event allows me finally to go back and look at an experience with molestation and rape when I was younger, two different experiences. So it's a long journey. It took me 11 years to write. I went from not being able to talk about anything to talking with the world about about my experiences. So that uh, sometimes writing a book is the only way to get it out, I guess. <laughs> but the the experiences of people who had experienced trauma or racism or difficulty in general, they were the, the humans that I spoke with at the beginning of my journey when I was writing the book who actually helped me to face my own trauma. So thanks to everyone who's been a part of that journey. Christine, you are amazing. And I feel blessed to have you on the show today. Yes. This is a great start to our season. And so I think at this point, what we're going to do is we're going to leave our listeners. We're going to keep laughing and talking. And we are hoping to see you guys or hear you guys or you guys hear us next time on Once What's Upon, upon the Patriarchy. patriarchy. Woohoo! Viva! <laughs> That's Italian for yippee! <laughs>